Do you ever wonder what happened to your friends from high school? I mean, you were so close. You laughed together, you cried together, you shared some of the best years of your lives together. And yet, somehow through life, you just lost touch. Now it's time to relive those moments once again. Introducing the podcast that takes you back in time to the place where it all began. This is Class Reunion. We're bringing you all the gossip, secrets, and scandals from your high school days that you won't want to miss. Join us as we catch up with old classmates and dive into the wildest stories from our high school days. From those legendary parties to the infamous cliques, we're spilling all the tea on who's who and what really went down. So grab a seat, turn your volume up, and get ready for a trip down memory lane. Class Reunion, the podcast that reunites us all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Class Reunion. I have a friend that I've been wanting to have on for a while, James Horn, realtor extraordinaire. We have been always emailing each other about having him on. And today's the day. He's catching me on Casual Friday. He looks a lot better than I do. But thank you for being on despite all your technical difficulties. <laughs> we had we had some issues getting it all set up today, but I think we've got it covered. He spilled coffee with cream in it and oh God. But thank you so much for being on. I love it. I've been in touch with you on Facebook just generally. You've, you've answered some questions I've had about real estate too, but I love following you most of all for your darn view. I mean, it's gorgeous living on a lake. Like, right? Thanks. Yeah. I, my dad was always wanted to be a lake guy and wasn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was something we certainly talked about. And then I bought my first lake house in 1996. And oh, really? Yeah. I bought my, my first house on a canal was in 1996. And uh, wow. then I never looked back. Then it was, it was never about, yeah. am I moving off the lake? It was, how do I get the house on the main lake? Like how do yeah. how do I get a bigger, better house on the main? Yeah, yeah. I as much as I sell real estate in you know Birmingham, Bloomfield, wherever you know Rochester, yeah. yada yada. Yeah, you know I look at the people that spend a million plus dollars to live in Birmingham or Bloomfield. I'm like, you know, you can live on a lake, right? <laughs> right, um, right. I so know. I get that a lot. I think people forget that you know Sylvan Lake or Cass Lake or any of those. You still have so many amenities around you. Like I think people feel like you're so far away yeah. if you live on a lake, but you're not. No. Like Costco's right by where you are. Right. You know, like, well, that's I, my staple, right? I remember when I first moved out here, especially to the house that I'm in now. Well, this is my second house on the same street. Yeah. But when I first moved out here, people were like, oh my God, you've moved to Waterford. Like all yeah. my Birmingham Royal Oak friends. They're like nine <laughs> million miles away right because of- they think Waterford M59 right. and Hospital Road. You know, like way over Williams Lake Road. Exactly. But yeah, my office is, well, I have an office at 15 in Telegraph and I have an office in in downtown Birmingham right across the street from the Birmingham Theater, right? My door to door to my office in Birmingham is 15 minutes. Door to door, Uh, getting out of the car. Wow. And and so my friends from Birmingham and Royal Oak would come and they would go, oh, Waterford's going to be so fun. Hey, this is really close. Yeah. (laughs) This is like being up north. I love this. I moved to Troy. That was my last place before I moved down to Florida. And if you told me I was going to live in Troy, I mean, nobody ever went across 15 Big Beaver. It was like, that seemed so far away. Somerset wasn't built yet. Right. You know? Agree with you. Love lake life. And it prevents you from, or not prevents you, but it, it, you don't have to drive up north for five hours and sit in traffic. I mean, my gosh, that's a lifesaver right there. That's absolutely the conversation I have with people all the time that have their 
Birmingham house, Bloomfield house, whatever. I'm like, okay, yeah. so you've got your house up on Hubbard Lake or wherever right. up north that you drive to nine weekends a year. You leave on yeah. Thursday, you're in the car for three and a half hours, and then yeah. you leave on Sunday and you're in the car for four and a half hours because of the Hate traffic. Yeah. And oh, by the way, you were up there doing chores all weekend instead of sitting by the lake. Or you could, And you have two mortgages, you know? Or you uh, could sell that one, you know, sell yeah. the one you've got and buy a bigger right. one beyond the lake, right? Right. I mean, that's right. A, the you know, first world problems. Right. But, I know. Right. Um, right. At the same right. time. Yeah. If if you can do it's it's life changing. It's oh. not lost on me. I mean, everybody's like, it must oh. just relax you at the end of the day, which is what yeah. I always see. Like you've got a, a, a glass of wine and excellent food and you grill like a king and you got your dog. Yeah. Atlas, well, and we, I'm like, hmm, the guy we try. And, and of, of course, social yeah. media is, you know, your best night. Right. Oh, yeah. this is great. Here's some drinking a glass of wine. <laughs> forget the argument we yeah. had an hour earlier. Right. Forget forget the hundred work problems that you had all day and you know right. the right. blanket right. that you were actually in in front of the TV. Right? So true. But that said, it's it's not lost on me. Like I have thought many times in the last two years when values have gone crazy that maybe I should sell my house. Right. Yeah. But, you know, maybe yeah. I should cash Always a temptation. in. Yeah. And I. Every time I think about it, I'm, we look at each other and go, yeah, we would move and then be mad we didn't live here. I'd well, have to go buy another you're lake you're going to have to find another place. Right. For more money. And then, correct. That I, I mean, it wasn't that I hadn't spent 20 years making how I wanted. <laughs> right. Correct. Correct. So, uh, and he's talking about Cindy, who also does real estate as well with you. Sort of. For, but yes, for, she's a licensed sorry. real estate agent okay. too. She doesn't okay. really do agent stuff like if i'm on the other side of town and she has to do a showing she will she just won't be very happy about it <laughs> um i like her <laughs> but but she's really talented with visual design oh nice. and uh, so she does all my staging she okay. meets my photographer at the houses okay. she meets with clients ahead of time to yeah. you know either use what they have or if it's going to be an empty house then then when the photographer comes, she does all the virtual staging you've seen. Oh, very right? cool. So you yeah, see yeah, all that, yeah. that electronic furniture. Oh, she's she, great. She's gotten payment. really good at it over the, over mm -hmm, the last three, mm -hmm. four years. So, And you know what? That is so needed because when you are trying to sell, it's such an emotional thing and everybody has all their stuff in their house, but buyers don't. They want to vision their life in there. Right. And we, it's that's a touchy subject, you know, but it's like when you want to say, let's take some stuff out. Depersonalize. It's only going to because it's going to sell faster because somebody wants to see their picture frames and their, you know. It was stuff. interesting when Cindy decided to work with me and we're not married, but we've been together for 22 years. So, I mean, it's like oh, being geez. married, right? When she first started, I'm like, okay, well, you're good at all this visual stuff. How about, how about we put you through the staging course? That's like, it's like a designation for realtors, oh. like appraisal or whatever, right? Oh, um, okay. So I sat through it with her thinking, what are they going to tell me? You know, this is all stuff I do mm. and kind of talk right. about every day. I thought it was the best one that I'd ever sat through. I, oh, I would have paid the nice. money for the court because some of the things they taught you were phrases oh. in addition to, you know, the rules of what goes where. And at this point, Cindy's, she's, 10 levels past that course. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, they, that was a kind of the basics of it. But one yeah. of the things I would have paid for the whole course just for the phrase clutter eats equity. Okay. And that is, well, then every agent should probably take that course because that's, yes. there is a, I just mentioned it's emotional, right? And so to have the language that's not, that kind of helps um, them oh, you gotta to get understand. Rid of stuff. You got it. Yeah. That said, not everybody understands. Yeah. 
I sold my aunt's house, my cousin, actually. She's very religious. And I walked in the door and I looked and she had a like a 17 foot, you know, two story wall that was all her crucifix collection. I, I just looked at it, I looked at her. She's like, I know they all got to come. <laughs> <laughs> so she was good about it. Not everybody is. Did she do the St. Anthony? Is it St. Anthony or oh, was it when you put upside down? Her house sold it a day anyway. So it was oh, a, you didn't it was, even have to Yeah, put she it bought it right. She bought it right. She sold it right. She got the new one right. Oh, Every, everything is right nice. in her world. But I will tell you the the example I use is a is a classmate from Groves about why you need to declutter and depersonalize is yeah. Neil Caragian, wherever you are. Neil. Oh, yeah. So showing Neil and his wife houses many years ago, they, mm-hmm. they bought, they used to live right down the street from me, but they have like 10 acres out in Davisburg now, 12 acres actually. Okay. But I showed them a million houses back in the day. Mm-hmm. They were terrible. They were like the worst client. And I say that as Neil's one of my closest friends, right? Yeah. But Neil would walk in and if there were pictures out, like he and his wife, his wife, Denise, they would walk in and go, you think that's his grandfather? I don't know. Is he in the <laughs> army? And it's a house I have that, somebody like that too. It's a house that they're yes. never going to buy. Like they would walk up yes. and go, yeah, we hate this yes. one, but let's go ahead and walk through anyway. And then they would like sit and ponder. I'm like, we've got seven houses to see in X number so of hours. And I'm every so time it was, you think that's their daughter? Is she a cheerleader? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is that Clark? And it's always I like, I wonder why they did that. Or I wonder why. And it's like, well, they're not here. Stop wondering. Do you like it or and, not? And, and not only that, yeah. they had already yeah. just, this isn't the one for us. Yeah, this, the backyard's terrible. We couldn't possibly do it. But, you know, we want to walk oh. through. Okay. So they were. I should tell people, I understand your pain. And we've also had this conversation as agents. Because when I came to Florida, um, I became a real estate agent and then it expired over COVID. So I'm, I actually have my whole book here. I'm right. trying to get my butt to, I have to start all over and take the class again. So my memory is not as sharp as it was when I first well, got it. He is the example that I use when I'm talking to clients about why you need to depersonalize and let them see themselves here instead of yeah. you here. So Neil served a purpose. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Probably the only one. <laughs> Shout out, shout out to Neil. Maybe I'll have him on for a Oh, you totally should. He's he's retired. Neil's retired already. Oh, nice. Well, Gosh. retired and now working at, at the gun store because, you know, that's yeah. what retired police officers do. <laughs> right. Oh, that is really cool. I would love to talk to him because, I mean, that whole police force discussion would be so interesting, yeah. right? And he's still I'm Neil, sure right? Stories. So he's amusing to talk yeah. to regardless. <laughs> Right, right, exactly, right. By the way, you're the first person who is now seeing my- Your new class reunion thing, nice. Yes, I'm trying to act like I have a podcast studio because I don't, I'm not that famous, but I'm I'm working on it. So we'll keep keep going with this. So let's talk real estate because that was part of the things. I want to I want to do the high school stuff, but I think yeah, we're on a whatever, whatever here, you want to talk about. We'll go back to growth. We're going to do opposite day. We're going to start with we're present day because it's been so much in the news mm-hmm. and we can decide how much you want to get into it or not, but I've been fascinated by it because every day I have a different opinion as as I learn more and see more and first of all it's business as usual, so you you can't yeah, get uh, caught up in the whole my- stuff. I, I probably have gotten 25 calls on it since that case came down, right? Yeah. And those are the calls. That's not the yeah. 100 other discussions, right? Hey, Class Reunion, I just want to give you a context to the next portion that Jim and I will be talking about regarding the real estate industry. 
In October, a federal jury in Kansas City did award $1.78 billion in damages to sellers for more than 260,000 homes that were sold in Missouri, Kansas, and Illinois. What this is referring to is the 6% that is uh, negotiated at the time of listing a home. Typically, 3% goes to the seller and 3% goes to the buyer's agent, both for their efforts in that transaction. So we will be talking about it. It's just our opinion, business as usual, but this is the jury case that we are referring to as we move forward in our discussion. Happy house hunting. So first thing, I'm not an attorney, nor do I play one on TV, but my opinion is much ado about nothing. The the reason that they did it in the state that they did is because it's not a contract state. So because there aren't contracts involved, they don't have to you know, worry about some of the rules everybody else does. But the fact is, everything's been negotiable forever. I mean, you were an agent, you know that. So there's going to be absolutely zero change to how any of this happens. Now, technology and, you know, 20 other things may change it, but it's not going to be the law. The state of New York has recently changed their law. I don't want to get too deep into the agency relationship discussion, but you and I know that the seller pays the listing agent who then pays the buyer's agent, right? Mm -hmm. The New York state just changed their law as of January 1. It's going to change to the seller will pay the listing agent and the buyer's agent. So they'll pay them separately. There won't be that same agency relationship, but it's Mm -hmm. all going to be spelled out in their listing contract anyway. So tomato, tomato, exactly the same. And in addition to that, as far as legal changes to it go, you know, I was a mortgage guy for 20 years before I was a real estate guy. I wanted to bring that up too, right. So I, I have a background in all of that and how all of that works. Well, when mm-hmm. when Dodd-Frank came around and made all the changes that it did in how loans got done and how underwriting got done and and how all of the things got handled for the, you know, the banks got made whole because there were so many defaults, right? Even yeah. though it was their own fault. So the example that, I, that I'll use for you as to why I don't think anything's going to change this law is, well, the banks got made whole, you know, 110%, 120%, whatever it was. But what happened to all the hard money lenders? What happened to any of them? None of them got paid. They just took it, right? The reason for that was nobody was in Washington lobbying for individual small lenders or credit unions or whoever, mm-hmm. you know, the, the smaller players didn't have mm-hmm. a voice in Washington or in their state house. They just got left out mm-hmm. of that bill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like hard money lenders that may have had 50 loans, like, you know, relatively small guys that had 25, 50, 100 loans, Mm -hmm. they got nothing out of any of that. So likewise, when they talk about, oh, this is all going to change, who's going to change it? I know for a fact the National Association of Realtors is going to be in Washington long and hard. And so is Remax, and so is Keller Williams, and so is Compass, and so is EXP. We've all got lobbyists in Washington putting mm-hmm. our say out as to why things should be the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be there to represent an individual seller? Nobody. So that right. law is never going to get written. That side of the story is never going to get told. Not that it shouldn't. I, I can tell you one of the calls that I got was from a client who I've known for a really long time, kind of a hippie chick, really sweetest woman in the world, you know, had to counsel her not to give away her money. You know, like every time somebody in her family needed something, she would give them money. Yeah. You're going to need a roof. You know, you got to, you got to be, she's trying to be the best person she could be, but she was hurting herself. Right. She was one of the people that called me and said, well, I totally agree with this. And I'm like, you are the example of the person that never would have been able to buy a house. You couldn't have paid somebody to be competent representation for you. It had you mean to be the bu- seller. paying the buyers. Right. Yeah, it yeah. had to be right. the seller because right. you wouldn't have been able right. to buy. And likewise, right. 
you know, you wouldn't have been able to sell and and do the same things. So right. once she kind of got it, she was mm-hmm. like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Because if, it's if more, they tried to take it away in the ways that, you know, the, the Zillows of the world that are, are saying it, yeah. and again, you, you understand because you do this for a living. It's not the two weeks it took me to do it. It's the 30 years mm-hmm. it took me to do it in two weeks, mm-hmm. right? They don't mm-hmm. understand that if they pay some flat fee person that is, you know, a part-timer or just checking boxes, they don't have your best interest at heart necessarily, or, mm-hmm. or even if mm-hmm. they do, they're just checking boxes. They don't know, okay, this is the right guy to call for the sewer scope in this area. Oh, right. this is a high arsenic area. We need to make sure we test the water. Right. Oh, there's foundation problems notorious to this. Or yeah. any of those things that are just things you know because you've been doing it for a long time. And well, you're and never going to get that kind of competence in no, a flat and field. and. Just to stop there for a second, because this is about the, you know, commissions that everyone thinks this is a make rich. We're all, you know, so wealthy and we don't deserve it just for opening the door. And I'd love for you to go what some of the agents have done on social media, which I have liked, is they've taken their check. Right. And they showed mm-hmm. it on the screen and then they they tell you where it all goes. Like, yeah, it's amazing how many people have this perception that. We're not salaried. It's our right. gas. It's our marketing. You want to go at the last minute. We're, it's, we're doing it. It's not it. just like, those people. It's all the people that say, I want to get into real estate. Really? Oh, yeah, that, that's Okay. Right. Yeah. Good, good, good luck. luck. Because- one in five in Florida are agents. One in- <laughs> Right. One in five. So your average your average realtor in America makes $31,000 a year. Preach it. Right? Like, and it's a lot of those folks are full time. Yes. Right. So your average realtor. So that's just as many people are making less yes. as are making more. Yes. And so when you say, oh, it's easy. All you did was this. Yeah, but I had to yeah. get here. And there is to be confident. And there's insurance. And there's, well, you know. And when you're doing it at a high level, everything's more expensive. Right. Correct. I mean, I always tell people I've got $2,000 in when the sign goes in the ground. By yes. the time I've done photography and video yes. and all the other and things that I do, and, staging, yeah, yeah, you know, and yep. sometimes it's significantly more than that, depending on the property. You know, if it's a but if it's I do end. hope that some people panic over these changes. I would like to see the field level out for the qualified people because the poor no ones one would do be, like anything. You when you have a bad experience, bad doctor, bad lawyer, whatever, it taints that industry, and it's only takes that one crazy person, yeah. but there's a lot of people doing it the right way and they should stay and elevate the game. I think that's right. kind of a cool Well, there's thing no, there's very low barriers to entry, right? Yeah. But that said, in this last year, because of the low inventory, primarily, mm-hmm. there's 100,000 less agents this year than there was last year, right? So 100,000 people have gotten out of the business, which is, you know, not I don't mind insignificant. That. Guys like me are nothing but happy. Right. Right. Because we're going to still do fine. My numbers are, yeah, I've had some things roll right this year, but my numbers are the same this year as they were last year. Most mm-hmm. people I know, even very good Which people, people you, are, you don't even know how incredible that is that James can do that because it has not been a. It's, yeah, it's know, been a. Easy. Most of the people I know are 20, 30% off, even the good folks. Yeah. So, but I will say I've had been lucky too. I've had some things just roll right. And sometimes years go that way and sometimes they yeah. don't. But you play Buster Balls. Yeah, this is it's twenty four seven for me. I mean, I don't have a. Yeah, uh, it looks bright and sunny on the lake, but I was on my boat four times this year, and I and my boat's in my backyard. Oh no! And that was last year and the year before it too. 
And oh. so if I'm on my boat 10 times, it's because six of them were I was showing houses Ugh. on the lake. Wow. So that's just not unusual for me. That said, wow. we do sit on the deck, right? I do walk yeah. out the back yeah, door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. need to, to go around the lake. I'm not uh, 25 anymore and, you know, rushing yeah, out right. to the sandbar to play volleyball. Probably I know. Should it's be. like when you go to the beach, I'm like... <laughs> Skin cancer when I get my <laughs> right? sunblock, like I got to put all that stuff right. in the sand on my towel. I'll, I'll get back to business for a minute so that we can get a, get away from it. So, yeah, I because I do want to. Yeah, th these are the the questions that we both get, right? Yes. So primarily, you see people. I hear people all the time. Well, I'm going to wait because these prices are coming down. There's going to be a crash. I got I got news for you. There's no crash coming. I know this. I know. The factors that are driving this inventory are not changing anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. The factors that, that are driving yeah. this inventory primarily are, number one, you've got all the people at 3% that are holding on for dear life because mm -hmm. they can't even make a lateral move at 8% mm -hmm. and not have their payment double, right? Mm -hmm. they, they can go from their $400,000 house to a $400,000 house and, and they're still not in good shape, right? So that's factor number one. It's increase. Mm -hmm. Factor number two is the builders can't build their way out of this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the statement. building costs have gone up so much since COVID that mm -hmm. we used to say eh, 100 bucks, 150 bucks a square for the lower end mm -hmm. to build. Now it's 250 a square to build plastic showers, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. 300 a square gets you pretty good granite counters and and whatnot. And if it, if you're building luxury, significantly more. So mm -hmm. if you think of 300 square as your average build cost now, yeah. okay, 2,000 square feet, $600,000 plus whatever the cost of the land was, how many builders can build neighborhoods that are under 700? None. Right. So you're right. seeing none of that get built. So mm -hmm. th that's not going to change the inventory. So, mm -hmm. and the third huge factor that most people don't think of is the Black Rocks of the world, the, the real estate investment mm -hmm. trusts of the world mm -hmm. are buying up residential real estate, which they figured out during the downturn was just as profitable from a return on investment standpoint as buying apartment buildings, which is all they used to do. Mm -hmm. So their portfolios are ever increasing. Mm -hmm. And those are all homes that are never coming back into the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. Those are all houses where nobody uh, had which another kid. Which is the sad part. Right. That to me, I have to Those say. Those are all going to be rentals forever. Yeah. So nobody and had another kid and needed another bedroom. Nobody retired no. and, and needed to downsize, right? They're yeah. just rentals forever and ever. That five to seven year cycle that we would normally think about as, you yeah. know, when people move, those are just out of it. And then yeah. in addition to that, I was really fortunate to uh, sit in a meeting a couple of days ago, Wednesday, actually, two days ago, with uh, Barry Habib in a, a telemeeting. Yeah. I don't know if you know who mm -hmm. that is, but he's on CNBC and whatever, and he's the yeah. big interest rate guru. Mm -hmm. And the most telling slide that he put up and, and that we were discussing back and forth with him was population. So in 2007, for instance, mm -hmm. the population was, let me, I'm going to pull it up because I have the si slide saved. In 2007, the population of the United States was 301 million and the housing inventory was 4 million. As of 2022, right now, the population is 335 million and the housing inventory is 1.1 million. Mm -hmm. So we've lost 3 million houses out of inventory and we've gained 34 million more people. There's no way Thanks. that we can build our way out of it. Plus, yeah. nothing affordable is getting built. Nothing. Yeah. Because the, cause the yeah. build costs are so high. And in yeah. addition to that, the, the REITs are still buying up everything, right? 
So yeah. for the foreseeable future, we're going to see low inventory. So the people and and it hurts that that first time buyer or anybody under five hundred. Yes, it, it hurts them. And you know that's why apartment rentals and that's why there's so many apartments being built because they know. And everyone's like, why are they building an apartment in that corner? Because there aren't any homes for these people to buy. Right. And so, yeah, it's an eyesore possibly to take a piece of land and do that. But, like, you can't build what you said, a community, unless it's Right. And expensive. and it's going to increase urban sprawl in some ways. Yeah. People that I'm want land are going to go farther. Here. You're giving me a uh, thought process here. So homelessness is a housing problem. I had a guy named Ed Boyd on in my class. Yeah, I know, Eddie. Yeah, and he, he works with people to get ahead of the homeless issue, people that are going to fall behind. Like he's, he's trying to be that mediator with companies to help them locate those that are on the edge. Cause like it just happens. It happens right. overnight, it happens very, very fast. And in there, they talk about exactly what you're saying, which is these homes that are bought for rentals are never coming back on, but the popular, it's exactly what you just said. It's a great, great book. And everyone thinks homelessness is because they're drug addicts or whatever. We're running out of money and space and jobs and blah, blah, blah. And you they're going to be living smaller and more people to a spot, which is, you know, yeah. more normal in other parts of the world. We've been lucky for a long yeah. time. But it's, yeah. you know, the big thing in the industry is buy dirt, right? If you've got money, <laughs> buy dirt. But has a house on it, doesn't have a house on it, buy dirt, sit on it, yeah. pass it down to the kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And but, Well, I always think about that when I look at Tennessee, I'm always looking for land. I'm like. I'll just put a little tiny home on there for now and right. call it a day. And, right, especially right? And especially then, if it can you can rent it and and kind right? of break even on the cost. We have that. I, I, I have that discussion. You know, with I love all the it time. down here, but being from Michigan, like I still miss. You know, I don't know. Tennessee has a hold on me just because it's like my way to get my seasons. You know, like right. I love it. I'm not coming back to Michigan, but I but I will get that close to Tennessee. And my brother and my mom are both down by you, so I'm I'm generally down there from end of December to early February. Typically, oh nice. Much to my much to my brother's good chagrin. Time. <laughs> I I stay with my brother, and he's like elated for me and the dog and and Cindy to be there for the first few weeks. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm always like, hey, yeah, he's he's a very successful real estate agent there, and yeah, uh, I'm always like, whatever, find me a spot, I'll pay, you know, right. Find right. me a spot. No, no, no. I don't want you to do that. But I don't want you to stay six weeks. <laughs> right, right, so right, right. I think oh, we, we may uh, we may find uh, someplace to go farther south in the Keys or something for a couple of weeks this year. It's always oh, it's always trouble with the dog though. Oh, so many. Yeah. It's hard to find places that'll uh, that'll let Atlas stay. Okay, so that's why I wanted you to kind of come on and, and talk about it. I'll probably have you on a couple more times because this this could go on this oh, deeper yeah. and wider. And you know, I, um, one of the things I talk about when people people, especially when young agents ask me questions, is, uh, yeah. you know, just like in grade school, we talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Remember that? Yeah. And we're in this, you know, the two bases of the of the pyramid are food and shelter, right? We're in the shelter business. Everybody wants to talk to you about something. Yeah. Just That's make sure true. you have the answers, <laughs> right? Which you don't always yeah. do. No, we're going to go to Groves. We're going to go to Groves and then we'll end with your, <laughs> with your Mr. Broughton and your uh, Catholic school bringing that would be hilarious. We were talking about, obviously, I knew who you were and we knew each other in high school, but I was trying to figure out, like, it's amazing to me that, you know, it's elementary, junior high and high school. 
But we brought up the fact that athletics really, well, first of all, you came with us. Mm -hmm. So you were a class below or behind me and you came to make high school 9, 10, 9 through 12. Right. So I was at Evergreen from the second half of fifth grade and sixth grade, right? Yeah. Corner from Groves, which isn't there anymore. And then at Berkshire with you. And then we all moved. We became the first ninth grade class at Groves. Yeah. And we were saying that like, you know, in middle school or junior high, as they had at the time, you know, you were, you were kind of with your grade because that's, mm-hmm. there's wasn't combining, but athletics really, you know, you played football with my friends and. Right. In all the sports, all of a sudden the grades mixed a lot more because everybody yes. was at a different level and, you know, you were, yes. you were mixing into all that. Did you do anything else besides football or, or was football your primary? No, I played football. I wrestled and I ran track. That's what I thought, but I was looking that up. I, I didn't, didn't run track other... junior or senior year. Oh, uh, that's why. Because I'm looking in my, it's my senior book, but I am I can see you in there. And I was going to show you, I was going to rattle off some of, you know, the junior favorites. Do you remember having to fill out all those forms yeah. like at the end of the year? Mm-mm. Famous. Yeah. Okay. So in your junior class. Your favorite college was? Michigan State. Michigan. We were Michigan State. I thought we were the other what, way around. Was it the class that said that or me? No, uh, it's junior favorite. So it was oh, a yeah, no. poll that everybody. Everybody. Yeah. I thought everybody was U of M. I was never a U of M guy. Yeah. I just was surprised ours was Michigan State. Favorite vacation spot? Fort Lauderdale. Florida. Or Florida in general. Well, just Florida in general. Favorite movie. So think about 84. Oh, Breakfast Club was 84? Because that's a good one. Risky business. Yeah, was what that you, would make sense. And then the police was your favorite group. Mine or the class? Yeah, the class. Um, yeah, certainly right up there. I was I was kind of an alt kid, which is why when you said Eddie Boy, uh, Eddie was like the alt DJ. Yes, back I know. Then, right? So yes, Eddie and I would did. always talk about that stuff back then. Yes, but yes. yeah, my my favorite band in high school was the Jam. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was didn't know but much I, of them. But I listened I know to the police. I listened to everybody. But that was like the the tape that got worn out was the Jam and a lot of Elvis Costello and a lot of the alt stuff that the people that were listening to you know Led Zeppelin or whatever weren't into. <laughs> and your favorite celebrity of the class, you know, the, right. 80, 84 when you were a junior was Eddie Murphy. And okay. you know what ours was Robert Redford. Like, were we acting like we were 100 before it's time? I, I can't believe that's who Redford's we're so much cooler than Eddie Murphy, though. Well, he is. <laughs> I would is, have totally bought in, into that in hindsight. Yeah, that's true. And he's totally handsome. I shouldn't say that, you know, I mean, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind sitting next to him in a nursing home. But, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but I was so surprised. I'm like, okay, Eddie Murphy, I get. And then I looked at ours and I was like, Robert Redford. There must have been. I'll have to look up what movie was in was, was in eighty four. That was that was long after uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That was early seventies. Can't imagine yeah. what Redford was in in the in the eighties as far as being that high school kids would have gone to. True, and I know that you hung out with a lot of the older classmates. But is there anybody in your class that had like an epic party or or like a memory that you oh, have God. with your Eric Daniel with your had class? one that was that was pretty off the chain. Oh yeah, he talked about that when I interviewed him. He said it was yeah, um, just he went to school everywhere. and they still talked about it in at school. They're like at yeah, college. They're like you're the guy that had that party. 
And yeah, I remember in. like, you know, people, That's he, right. had that, he had that modern house right off of Lasso, Yes, and people were yes. like jumping off the balcony down into the living yeah. room. And yeah, it was, yeah. I, yeah, that's. I, I want to say I'm trying to remember. God, there were a lot of them. When I think back on it, holy cow! I know because that's what we did. The, and it, well, the, and the no craziest phones, one no I remember phones. that I was like a big part of it was at Billy Schwanky's house. Oh, Billy Schwanky's. See, you said Schwanky. I always thought he was Schwanky, Bill Schwanky, but Schwanky, Schwanky, tomato. No, tomato. I'm saying I've always said I mean, it wrong. Then uh, he, he'll answer to both. You know, Billy and I have been best friends since we were like nine. When before he went to. Birmingham schools, we played Little League football together because I played Little League football in Southfield at Southfield Lathrop. Uh-huh, okay. So I was friends with all the Lathrop kids too. Yeah. All the, all the yeah. football guys anyway. Billy had a had a New Year's party and his parents were out of town or over, over Christmas. Not out of town, but they were supposed to be out of town. They weren't supposed to come back yet. Mm-hmm. We took all the furniture from the house and packed it into two of the upstairs bedrooms so it was just open. Like all the living room furniture, all the dining room furniture, everything was Packed into an upstairs bedroom, and there were like at least five hundred people in his house on Rock Creek, right off, you know, in in the neighborhood by Brian Tracy and those guys. Mm -hmm. And I mean, five different high schools packed. I had parked my car in the garage with a bar in it, so we're drinking out of my car because we could lock it up during the rest of the party. And the police came, like to tell you how different the police are today. The police came like three different times and emptied the party out, and then like a new crop of people would come and there's like, we're push brooming beer cans out of his, out of the wood floors in his living room, like a foot high. And uh, his parents decided to come home early and they oh. got there at about, I mean, we were all still there. They got there at about two in the morning and his dad walks in, there's no furniture and there's, oh. you know, six inches of beer cans all over the house. Thank God we're both alive. Um, <laughs> But his dad was not happy. How and much and that was the did night. Oh, not as much as you'd think. I mean, we're both yeah. still alive. I, then I, you know it's I, brought up all the time yeah, in your house. I, sure. I somehow, yeah. you know, got home on my bicycle or whatever. <laughs> whatever the, my car stayed in the garage. Right? <laughs> and we were talking about, like, back then, what was amazing about those epic parties. Nobody had cell phones. No. So, like, how it goes word of mouth that fast is amazing to me. Like, I think people are at a stoplight and they're rolling down their window and they're like, "Hey, Schwank is having a party." Right? Oh, yeah. You know, like, I don't know how it happens so fast. Like, one of the what I don't I don't know if you remember my father, but my father was like everybody's dad. I would come home from college and there'd be three girls I used to date playing euchre with my father Mm. that didn't go out with, didn't talk to me anymore. Anymore. He was living his best life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, not that way, but you know, it, no, just everybody who, loved him. Who like, wouldn't want to? Yeah, know, I would come. I would come home from a work in the summer, and there'd be ten. Right. My dad, my parents got divorced my senior year, and I would come home from work in at college, and there'd be you know uh-huh. ten people sitting by the pool at my dad's house, oh. and you know, hanging out with my dad. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right. So cool. Yeah, good time. Good time was had by all. But to go back to how we found out about it without phones, my dad yeah. not knowing any better, and he was he loved all my friends. He was everybody's. Right. You know, if you asked any of my friends, if you're really in trouble, your dad's your first call. Who's your second call? Your dad, and probably your dad's my first call. Right. Uh, he was that guy. So of course he's at the football game and we won, and and it, so he told like a few people, "Hey, come to our house. We'll have a party at our house tonight." And he didn't realize. He's thinking it's going to be me, Billy, Rick, you know, 20 guys from the team and maybe their girlfriends or whatever. Yeah. I come out of the locker room and I'm like, hey, where's everybody going? 
and it was somebody that didn't know me, and they're like, "Yeah, we're going to Horn's house." Oh my god! And I live. Party is a universal language. Yeah. I live five houses from Groves. I live right. right down Embassy, so right. I can't even get home. I'm like walking down the street. There's cars down both sides of the street, and cars going down the middle. My mother is losing her mind. There's people oh all over god. the lawn. Like, like, needless to say, we're not having a party. <laughs> and like everybody thought it was like crazy high school party. My dad was like, "Oh, I invited a couple of your buddies over." <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, that was a that was an interesting evening with mother. <laughs> See, so you had you have your own epic party story. That's, that's that incredible. Was, we never had them at my house. My my grandma lived with us, and and uh, and my mom. Oh, so mine did really too. Late. But she just you know somehow God bless that woman. She never said a peep. Now, sometimes my parents found out and obviously the neighbors are going to tell her, but she would, she loved watching everybody, you know? And when she was too tired, she'd go upstairs and watch from the window upstairs. But yeah, she just sat there and, you know, wow. she knew to, yeah, it I, was amazing. I, I loved having her there. That was, it was the best part when we were up to shenanigans and she never told. You know yeah, what I mean? she like, would, that's just my a grandma classic would never grandma have approved move, of right? that. She would have fed us all. Yeah. But not the kind of crazy, you know, two kegs in the backyard parties that were not uncommon back then, right? Yes. Okay. So we're going to close with, I could talk to you all day. You grew up in Detroit and you went to a Catholic school in Detroit before you went to, I did. to Evergreen. I did. I moved so in fifth grade. Y- your stories are funny from there. So, or, you know, just... If you can just talk about what it was like to grow up in a Catholic school and some of the, the oh, stories and the you difference. shared with me. And like, sure. Yes. It, it yeah. was, well, first of all, you know, it was a culture shock to move. Yes, right? that's the part. Yeah. So in, I went to a very small Catholic school. Well, a very small Catholic school and then a very big Catholic school. So I went to a school called Our Lady Queen of Hope, which was a church and seven classrooms. And then the nuns mm-hmm. would move in between classes. So the. I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, it was super cool. Yeah. And so the math teacher would go teach sixth grade instead of seventh grade or whatever. Yeah. But because it was so small, we had no gym. So if it was raining or something, we would play in the basement. So you'd play like kickball in the basement of the, of the, of the church. But most of the time we went outside and in the winter yeah. they had a field with a, that had like a hill all the way around it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they would make it into an ice rink in the winter. So you brought your skates and. And at lunch and at recess and during gym, you played skating games. Which is so cool. And now it would be like insurance-based. Oh, yeah. Sign a waiver. and ask. Oh, but like That was the beauty of some of the, you know, freedom where before someone gets hurt and well, that you know, we, sues them, it was fun. When that school closed, I went to St. Mary's of Redford, which is a big school on Grand mm-hmm. River. And it was far from my house, which, mm-hmm. you know, again, this is 1976. 77. And we think about it now. And it was like maybe two miles from my house. Like I'd take a skateboard and that's how I got to school. Like now everybody, parents drives. I walked. Yeah, I know. We through the did. city. Yeah. Like yeah, crossing wow. major streets, like stop at the yeah. Chinese restaurant on the way without home and get an egg roll. Right. Person. Without oh, the- yeah. No safety person. It's the <laughs> city. And like there were streets that you knew, like if you rode your bike, you had to ride really fast so somebody didn't steal your bike. <laughs> Good like, golly. Yeah, it was it was a whole different culture shock thing. And then mm-hmm. when I went to Evergreen, like for the first year I went there, I wore dress slacks and a, and a sports shirt every day because mm-hmm. that's what my mom thought you had to wear to school. <laughs> mm-hmm. And people have Garfield t-shirts on and right. like whatever. I mean, but, but my yeah. mom was a Detroit school teacher for 30 years. 
My mom taught at Bodie oh. Junior High for 30 years. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. Wyoming and Livernois, you know, she knew what time oh, it was in the, cool. in the schools. So uh, for sure, I wasn't going to Detroit public schools, but my, uh, my brother and sister were both graduated by the time we moved. They went to Catholic Central and, uh, and Mercy. Oh, nice. Nice. I wanted to go to Marion just because I wanted to wear the uniform. Like, I didn't want to <laughs> think about my wardrobe nice. anymore. I was like, I'm tired of, you know, looking at who's wearing what. Like, I just thought Marion uniforms would solve that problem and, you know, be done. For a lot And of then you, you like, <laughs> one of the biggest contrasts you said was when you had to adjust to, like, our feral lifestyle in public school versus if you didn't have your homework done, yeah. they called oh, your parents. Yeah. In, in Catholic school, yeah. or at least the ones I went to, if you didn't do your homework, why don't you have your homework? Well, let's right. go call your mom. Right. You know, somebody's getting a phone call. You know, somebody's right. going to come in. It better be done tomorrow. I, right. And then I came out to public school and it was like, oh, you don't have your homework? I, I just, my head would snap around. It wouldn't say anything to the kid. Okay. <laughs> this is a little different. And and were you, was it just boys or were you mixed? No, it was co-ed. Or? My school's co-ed. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say that would have been a big adjustment too. You know? Yeah. You know, I... I always wanted to go to Catholic Central because my brother went there. Yeah. So I was raised mm -hmm. a, a Catholic Central kid, like, mm -hmm. you know, and my brother went there when it was in Detroit and they had all the crazy traditions, you know, they had noisemakers instead of cheerleaders because it was all guys, right? So it was six, five, six, five, what's out of our drive? Hey, hey. <laughs> oh my God, you remember that. And, oh, I remember all the cheers, right? It was, uh, you know, obviously Brother Rice was the, was the big rivals. I dated my fair share of Brother Rice boys because, you know, again, man in uniform. I don't know. I thought it was cute. Trust me. We liked the Catholic schoolgirls for the same reason. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I've had so much fun and I don't know, I could do, I could continue to talk to you, but I've got to keep it at a, a timetable here, but okay. so fun. And call me when you're down in Naples. I'd love to. Yeah, no, in. we'll be down there soon. That would be awesome. But we're going to stay in touch because I think, and if anybody has any questions too, I mean, don't hesitate to reach out and we'll, we'll filter them through James because there's a lot of things that people still may not understand or have a question and about. I always have to answer and, the questions. Jim, by the way. Yeah. It's, I, I always know if people call me James, it's because. Uh, I, you know what? I reading it off your my business sign. card and your everything is okay. If they call me, if call they call Jim. me, if they call me James, they're reading it off my sign when I answer the phone. Yeah. If they call me Jim, yeah. they probably know me. If they call yeah. me Jimmy, they got referred to me by somebody who, and I don't already was know. Was a family him. member or something? Yeah, somebody that knew me for a long time because my dad was Jim. So when I was young, it was ever it was always Jimmy. Aww. Like Billy and Rick and Billy Schwanke and yeah. Rick Elke and Neil and all those guys still call me Jimmy. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. I had I I think I had a crush on Bill, I think, for a while there. Everybody he had a crush cute. on Bill. I know, I know. And now you. So I can't thank you enough for for being on here and taking the time and going through all the stuff that you did today to, to make it on the podcast. It no problem. Happy to help. So, yeah. Thank you, my friend. And have an excellent weekend and try to enjoy the deck before the snow arrives. Oh, there's a brand new patio with a great big fire pit. So the, the plan is to be able to use it through the winter. Oh, nice. But we have, we've, we're always pretty good about that. I mean, yeah. but they, it's funny. I see people doing stuff right away. It, it only took me 20 years to build the brick favorite patio. But we just did that in September. So there's a new a new patio with a big fire pit that we're going to try and use a whole lot. Nice, nice, nice. Well, enjoy. And I'll hopefully see you in, in February. But thanks again for, for being on. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Okay. See ya. All right, friends. That's it for this episode of Class Reunion Podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show, write us a review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time.